Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast where if you don't know what's in your pills, they can't hurt you. Book number 77, Cheating to Win. What is Tony hiding from Annie? What indeed, a question for the ages. Hi, gladiators. I am your host, Marissa Flaxbart. Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries. I guess I say that the first words out of my mouth every episode, but now I'm saying it again. I'm here and I'm joined today by Tabitha Myers. Hi, Tabitha. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm thrilled to have you, um, partly because you are someone that I have met in the world who when I'm like, oh, I have a podcast about Sweet Valley High, instead (laughs) of it being like, now let me tell you what Sweet Valley High is, you're like, oh, wow, I know what that is. (laughs) (laughs) Big fan. You read these books a little bit when you were growing up, right? Growing up. I read these and I read Sweet Valley Twins, like when they were in sixth grade. Yeah. And they went back and forth. Very weird. Yeah. It's like same characters. And there's an interesting thing, like where we're at in the books right now in the 70s, it's like 1991 because the books are being written. And Sweet Valley Twins as a series already exists. So every once in a while, there'll be like a reference to something that happened in the past um, (laughs) that is like the past as represented in the Sweet Valley Twins books. Yeah. But it's important. I mean, I don't know how important it is, um, but, but part of the whole Sweet Valley timeline is that the actual, the Sweet Valley High books came first. Right. So whatever history is being invented for sixth grade, like it didn't exist when the books were, the Sweet Valley High books were first started being written. It's very bizarre. And like some of the characters are different, like just totally different. They change their personalities. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. The first big thing, no instance of that I think is Amy Sutton who like has moved away in Sweet Valley Twins and comes back in Sweet Valley High and she used to be Elizabeth's best friend but now she's totally changed (laughs) now she's one of Jessica's friends well so the book that we have today Cheating to Win is about Tony Esteban and I don't know I would categorize I, I I'm hesitant to do this in the year 2023 but I think that growing up I would have categorized this as a a boy book this okay. is a very one of these books doesn't happen very often that really is fixated primarily on one of the male characters so we can say that it is a boy book in that sense yes and it's not Stephen like that's the only boy I was ever <laughs> concerned with like Stephen maybe Bruce Patman but like who's Tony Esteban <laughs> we're about to find out yeah and tony esteban is a character who in the past of sweet valley high has been mentioned in passing Mm -hmm. like a a secondary character in this book is roger patman Mm -hmm. roger barrett patman who um do you remember i mean they they summarize what happened with roger janitor and (laughs) or he like worked as the janitor because he was super poor and then it turned out that he was like bruce's cousin that's right. Like Bruce's long lost cousin. I mean, his mo- his mother, his only parent, had a heart attack in order for him to and died subsequently in order yeah. for him to be blessed with this information. But yeah, so early on in the series, like when we first meet Roger back in his janitor days, as you recall, <laughs> um, he had a crush on Lila Fowler, poor guy. And I Tony Esteban, he was like Roger was a runner and um 
Tony Esteban is like another character on the track team. So they remembered that and they were like, hmm, who can we pull for our morality tale of the week? Because that's also this book. We're in a little bit of a moment. Also feels very early 90s. A moment of like, let's teach the kids a lesson with this one. A very like dare, just say no. Yeah. It could, yes, and it could happen to you, you know? <laughs> if it could happen to a nice kid like Tony with good parents, it could happen to any of us. Absolutely. Um, so let's tell the gladiators a little bit about the cover of the book. Um, okay. Speaking so it, of Tony Esteban, <laughs> we're getting a nice look at him here on this cover. He's got a beautiful runner's build. He's got thick curly hair. Um, Annie is different than I pictured in my head. Even though, like, they describe her green eyes and they describe her, like, curly hair, she just, to me, she just looks like a disgruntled mom, kind of. It's partly her outfit. Yeah. She's, like, got a button-up shirt that's buttoned up all the way (laughs) to the top. (laughs) And then she's wearing... Go ahead. No, and her, just the vest, and she just looks very, like... Oh, yes, the vest. She's. I mean, here it is in color. I know you've got a black and white version in color. Yeah. It's just like blue oh. and yellow. She looks, she doesn't look good. I mean, she's beautiful. She's so pretty, but she does. And she looks so mad at him. She's looking at him with the most disdain. And he's looking off in another direction, which that is appropriately. It's metaphorical because a big issue with Tony in this book is Tony and Annie have started a new relationship and Tony is intermittently, but mostly so fixated on running and his obsession with winning the race, as we'll get into more, that he's not being a very good boyfriend. No. He leaves Annie very neglected. Yeah. And and it's like early the early days of their relationship where she's still kind of trying to figure out what it even is. She's <laughs> like, I like him a lot, but what what's happening here? What's going on? Like there's a lot of uh Tony will refer to Annie as like his friend, you know, and but then they're like kissing in the car, so they're clearly dating his parents i think say something about his friend i'm getting ahead of myself but they say something yes. about like tony's friend annie and like that's his girlfriend yeah, yeah yeah um well sure well so so let's get ourselves there um at the outset of the book i mean really at the end of the last book you know we elizabeth was watching tony and i don't know they're trying to get elizabeth involved in the story because she they need a, her to cover sports a little more for some reason for the newspaper. She's never really covered sports before, but all of a sudden she's a sports journalist. Yeah. And it's also like this book didn't need to bend over backwards to get Elizabeth to go to track meets oh. like Elizabeth would just go even if she weren't writing. And right. the, the Oracle is not a part of the story at all. So I thought it was kind of funny that they even bothered making her be there. Like, why is Elizabeth? gonna keep being at these track meets you know like to cover um, tony's pre-olympic hopefully yeah that's big win the stakes are high for tony like they you know they've got a series of races but it always seems like it's all coming down to some kind of nebulous finals there's a, a talent scout whose name i believe is burr burr <laughs> Burr Richardson, I want to say. Or da- yeah, Burr. Was Burr it Davidson, Davidson or Richardson? You're probably right. It's probably Davidson. God, I love that so much. Burr. 
he sort of just looms in the background like he it never we never get the call from burr davidson that like he definitely tony is my star pick or whatever it's just like this sort of nebulous pressure that he's is he's goffman he's <laughs> <laughs> just waiting, <laughs> waiting for burr yes um but the other little bit of beginning of the book business that I want to get out of the way um, actually uh, is an update to follow up to last uh, last week's Miss Teen Sweet Valley, oh book seventy six. Legend. Yes. So careful listeners may recall, especially if you listen to extra drama, which you always should, that Denise was pointing out how a strong, um, dis uh, like thing that might have dissuaded Jessica from. Uh, working so hard at becoming Miss Teen Sweet Valley is if they she had ever found out how much work it was going to be. And lo and behold, right at the outset and then repeatedly throughout the book, Jessica is complaining about exactly such a thing. I'm going to read. Jessica made a face. Oh, it's this dumb Miss Teen Sweet Valley thing. I actually have to work at it. I didn't think I'd have to go to places and talk to people and make speeches and do all sorts of boring stuff. At least if things had worked out with Fraser, I'd have gotten something good out of it all. So we learn in this one paragraph, not only is Jessica so pissed that she actually has to do things as Miss Teen Sweet Valley, but we don't even get a single image of Jessica and Fraser's time together. We are jumping straight into... um, it, the book summarizes it is, uh, from Elizabeth's perspective. She did feel bad about Jessica and Fraser. One of the reasons her sister had entered the beauty pageant was to get the attention of Fraser McConnell, one of her brother Stephen's friends from college. She had gotten his attention all right, but after a few dates, it was clear their match was not made in heaven. And that's it. That's, that's it. it for Jessica and Fraser. All right. Womp womp. The whole book built up to that and then two dates. Like, they couldn't have had Jessica date Fraser in the background of this book and, like, let it kept it cooking until the next one? It could have been a good, like, B story. Yeah, and instead, Jessica's um, dissatisfaction with being Miss Teen Sweet Valley and the work that it entails is not even a C story, really. It's, like, the thing that keeps Jessica from being involved in this book. There's, like, no Jessica in this book. Did you notice? She's at the Rotary Club. She's at the... Like Lions Club, she's yeah. everywhere. She she pops up every three or four chapters of this thirteen chapter book to be like, God, I hate this. <laughs> Ugh, Elizabeth, try places with me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they never, they never like let on if she ever goes to like what was that store called? Things for girls. <laughs> Stuff for girls. Stuff for girls. <laughs> I think it was things for girls. Oh. Uh... We didn't get to see her use her prizes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, All right. So we've got uh, Elizabeth has her own little B story, but I think we can save that um, for a later moment. Let's talk a little bit about Tony and Annie. Um, So Tony, I mean, like we're introduced to Tony as a man with a plan and really early on, he's got a big motivating factor other than his own just like drive to be the best runner scholarships that it could potentially get for him, which is a very real factor. Yes. He has his dad who is like putting a lot of pressure on him. He wants him to be the best. He wants to let that. His dad had to stack gave up like a burgeoning, maybe pro like collegiate career or pro football career to take care of his mother. 
Tony's grandmother and he did like yeah. the honorable thing but he you know is sad about it so he wants his son to live out his dreams yes yeah. and very very early on in the book Tony is at this race and everybody's really excited this is where we set up you know just Tony's drive and everything he's running the 220 <laughs> and he is about to win the race when he has this like mysterious stumble and he falls to the ground and he's just in he's in intense pain and he's gonna like walk it off but um the coach and everything is like no we need to get we need to call an ambulance we need to take you to the emergency room so escalates really fast they want to take it seriously and i understand yeah the coach who is named um coach featherston is featherston that yeah yeah, who is like, I don't really remember him. I remember Coach Schultz mostly, but I guess Coach Schultz is the football coach. He can't coach everything. No. Uh, the track coach is Coach Featherston. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's like, you know, everybody is very sensibly like, don't put any weight on your knee until we know what's up. Like, let's go. Let's get serious. Tony's trying to just sort of shrug it off because basically I think he's in denial. Like He doesn't want there to be anything wrong with him. Right. Um, when he goes to the hospital... Um, the doctor is saying, that's not too bad. It's a little tear, you know, don't put any weight on it for a couple of weeks or a week or something. We're going to make you walk around in crutches, but I don't think you'll probably even need surgery. You'll not only will you be healed soon, but you'll be able to run again soon. Yes. Seems like good news, but it, no, this is bad news. It's just one week. Like, it's one week. And he's just like, no, that's much too long. My whole future is hanging in the balance. Yeah, he's like, he is slowing down. And there's this sense of like, if I can't, he's training so much, right? Like he, we already see early on in the book, he like goes to the gym to pick up his timer, like his stopwatch, I guess, because he's going to go again to time himself in the morning at school. And, you know, he's going, he's like swimming, he's doing all this training. And the idea of stopping that for any period of time is like just going to set him so far back that he isn't going to be able to achieve all the things he wants to achieve. Yes. And we really get a glimpse of how serious the situation with his, his dad's pressure is um, when Okay, so the doctor is saying, absolutely no weight on that leg for one week. I want you to keep ice on the knee tonight to reduce the swelling. You may feel some pain for a day or two, so I'll give you some painkillers just in case. In a week, come see me in my office and we'll take another look. And in the meantime, I also want you to take something to reduce any further inflammation of the muscles. I'm prescribing some cortisone pills. You should take each day until you've seen me again next week. Dr. Griffin, I've got important track meets coming up, Tony began. Yes, Mr. Esteban cut in. This is a crucial season for Tony. He's got talent scouts coming to see him each week. He can't wait forever for this thing to heal. And um, the doctor says, um, let's hope you'll be ready for track soon, Tony. But remember, you're a human being, not a machine. And your knee will heal in its own time. And it was just like such an intense denial. Like, like, doctor we need his knee to be fixed. Like, we can't wait. Like, well, what do you think the body's doing, bud? We can't wait a week or two. What do you have to give us today that can get him running tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, so I was just, I felt very stressed out as, because it continues, to, you know, Tony is like, 
so upset about being on the crutches. He hates, I get, I totally get that feeling, you know, it's gnawing at him um, that he wants to get back out there. I mean, I don't know how much I understand that personally, but I'm not (laughs) that much of an athlete, but I get it. But it's just like, he's, I just kept feeling like, Tony, you're going to hurt yourself again. Like, don't you understand? Like, if you don't take care of yourself now, like you're only 16 years old, like you got to chill bud and the mom is like constantly coming in with reasonable like listen to the like reasonable like recommendations and they're just like oh mom yeah and so then it continues like it's always this refrain of first tony thinking i really want to be able to do a great job and then i can't let my dad down it's like a major drive and constantly like as Tony starts to heal a little bit slowly, his dad keeps on checking in with him. Like, how's the healing going? How's the healing going? And his mom is like, are you feeling okay? Are you feeling okay? And Tony is just like, Oh, stop checking in with me. He's going to snap. Yeah. Um, He does say, so go ahead. I was just looking. He does say to Annie, like the worst thing would be, no, what I couldn't stand would be to watch my dad's dream. Just die. I've got to get better fast. Like his, that whole, like the looming, like I can't for a second disappoint my dad. Okay. Yes. So there is one more factor at play for Tony in Tony's life that it doesn't totally, it, it comes to, to bear later, but it's actually related to Roger who, Roger's dear departed mother had a friend oh who moved to LA right around the time she died. This Denise. is all the backstory we have. Denise <laughs> is her name, yeah. And Denise has a 13-year-old son named Mitch, who is suspended from school for drinking, right? I think so. And just he got caught generally drinking being, and got suspended and just for generally like a being a hoodlum. Yes. He wore um, a lot of band t-shirts. So that's how you know <laughs> that he was on the wrong. He must have been bad. Yeah. Path. Yeah. Um, so Mitch is going to come stay with the Patmans for a while while he's suspended, basically. And Denise is hoping that like Roger can like straighten him out. Like me. I don't know if it's like a male influence thing or what, but he's staying at like the Patmans mansion, which is like intense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Bruce Patman, who was really in rare, like, snob form, the few moments he appeared in this book, um, th- there's, like, a barbecue at, at his house that's to welcome Mitch. Um, uh, Bruce Patman easily managed to live up to the glamour surrounding him. Liz and Todd, he drawled. I guess you've come for our rescue a hoodlum barbecue, <laughs> he laughed. Roger's out back with the little fiend. But I warn you, don't expect too much. You know what those people are like. (laughs) It's just like, okay. Not to put too fine a point on it. Yeah, those people. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then uh, we get a glimpse of Mitch. Um, Speaking of the the t-shirts, the the band t-shirts. Elizabeth had to admit, Mitch did look a bit like a rough kid. But the effect was mostly due to his clothes and his haircut, Elizabeth thought, and neither could completely offset a certain fresh-faced boyishness about him. Mitch was wearing black jeans and a black t-shirt with the name of a rock group Elizabeth had never heard of emblazoned across it. One of his ears was pierced, and he wore an expression that dared anyone to be nice to him. 
tough. He's from LA and he's tough. Yeah, and he's 13 also, <laughs> which is like, I'm just thinking about like 16, 17, 18 year olds hanging out with this like 13 year old. I know. And every once in a while, the book, remo- like somebody is like, oh yeah, this guy's a kid. Like I'm looking at him now, he's so small. Like Tony shakes his hand at one point and it's like, oh, his hand is so little. He's 13. <laughs> he's a little kid, just a little guy. Yeah. Um, but he is, he's like a hoodlum. But he responds really strongly to Tony basically, like, being stern to him. Like, telling him, like, not, I don't know, just, like... And also, Tony is this, like, impressive athlete. And Roger is kind of noticing, people are noticing, like, oh, Tony, when you talk to Mitch, he seems like he's kind of paying attention. Tony, like, says something to him about, like, not interrupting him or something during one of the conversations, like, wait until I'm done talking. It's like, oh, okay, you're right. Yeah. (laughs) That was all it took. He's looking for some boundaries, this kid, you know? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so, um, I don't know that Tony, I wouldn't say that Tony is, like, trying to do a good job for Mitch or anything, but it's just another factor in Tony's life right now. A little bit of extra um, pressure. Like, this kid looks up to you, Tony. You can tell. Yeah. yeah. So, should we tell um, them about Lou? We can. Um, <laughs> I was not prepared. For how, I guess, like, how much of, like, a boogeyman they made him out to be. Yeah. He starts out as a nice guy. Yeah. Like, initially, so this guy, Lou, he's, like, a weightlifter. And Tony runs into him at the gym at the very beginning of the book. And it's, I mean, it's kind of clever. Um, here, Here's that scene. Well, first of all, uh, Tony looked enviously at Lou's muscular physique. How much are you pressing these days? Lou, who was 18, was a wrestler with national medals to his name. 360, Lou said with a grin, which is like, whoa, that's a lot. Oh my gosh. Yes, yes. (laughs) 360 pounds? Jeez, what are you doing to yourself? Tony exclaimed. As a runner, it was hard for him to believe that a person could pump up that big. It was one thing to add a little speed, but a completely different thing to bench press that much weight. You runners don't know a thing about muscle, Lou teased him. Let me get you on the mat someday and I'll show you a real sport. Um, which, I don't know, it's all very homoerotic, but um, <laughs> skipping ahead, not changing that. But um, uh, listen, you leaving now? You want to head over to the beach disco and see what's happening? No, thanks. I've got to get some sleep. I'm facing someone tough tomorrow in the 220, Tony said. Even if he'd not needed to go home, Tony wasn't sure he would have gone to the beach disco with Lou. He liked Lou around the gym, but sometimes he had the feeling that he couldn't quite put it into words, but there was something about Lou Orton and some of his friends that bugged him. But he goes on and sings level, actually, you know, Lou takes an interest in my running career. Like, he's a nice guy. He's a bud, you know? Like, a, So that's the establishment. Like, there's just something about him initially. This whole book is just men of varying ages looking for father figures. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're so right. And like <laughs> struggling yeah. with the various father father figure issues. Yeah. Um, because Lou takes an interest in Tony's career, but it's like it's a supportive interest in a way that Tony's father is much more like expects him to be perfect all the time. Right. And Lou is like, here is how you can get perfect. I have something. Well, I don't want to reveal right. anything just yet. No, but. I think I think here we're basically there because essentially in Tony's healing journey, he hits a point after just a few days where he's like, 
he's making a lot of progress, I felt, but he doesn't feel that way. Yes. He is um, excited that the the physical therapist has given him leave to, like, swim. So Mm. that's a good thing to do, even with, you know, he can start moving his body again. And so he finds himself at the gym with Lou again, and he's uh, just feeling like he's complaining about how he's not really healing as quickly as he'd like to. Right. And one of Lou's, not Lou, I think this is interesting, but one of Lou's buddies is like, hey, Lou, you should hook him up with some of those magic vitamins. I think this is the part where I like, I mean, I'm reading from a Kindle, but like if I could have closed the book with a smack and a sigh, I would have. Because when I read Magic Vitamins, I was like, wait, these are high schoolers. Big. Yeah. I don't, Magic Vitamins. And then we're supposed to believe Tony's like, hey, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's so, um, like, juvenile, the idea. I mean, I think that Lou's buddy, I kind of read it as a little bit of, like, a <laughs> magic vitamin. Like, but magic. Tony, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like, it's like a code word, but just not a cool code word. But to your point, Tony definitely locks in on the vitamins part of it. You right. know, like, oh, what is this? And he asks some questions, and, oh, my gosh, Lou's answer, I marked for sure. <laughs> um uh well then is this when he actually takes them or oh yeah it is so tony initially does not take the bait i don't think but he finds that his running is really slow is that right he's lost like three seconds like after his initial injury he's lost like two and a half or three seconds and it's like yeah you know he might as well be dead three seconds (laughs) yeah right and it's like his knee still sometimes hurts a little bit. Again, it's been like a few days. Right. Um, after 25 laps, his heart was pounding in his chest, but he didn't stop. Come on, Tony, an inner voice cried. You can do it. But after one more lap, Tony had to stop. 26 laps, he thought with disgust. Two weeks ago, he could have done 30 with hardly any effort. What was happening to him? <laughs> it's just like, I mean, so I guess it was two weeks, but like, yeah, it's. 26 laps like that's a lot of laps just had a major injury it's gonna be okay and he thinks to himself fat chance i'll ever be a champion now but then that's when he asks a few more questions about the magic vitamins okay lou definitely says like tony says wow i didn't know there were vitamins that could do that and lou says yeah they're not exactly vitamins like the whole time, but it was clear, like, eh, eh, let's just call it um, that. But like, that's not what they are. But Tony doesn't yeah. question that. He tells, Lou tells Tony, a friend of mine's a sports doctor upstate and he prescribes them for me. They're not cheap though. And I can only get them for close friends. Okay. Does he sound like a drug dealer a little bit? Tony's not clocking it yet. Classic okay. drug dealer marketing. <laughs> um, and then he says, you know, so Tony, again, he's honing in on the doctor part. Like, oh, my doctor's just giving me cortisone, like aspirin. Like, I don't even, and I'm basically done with it, right? So Lou says, uh, yeah, well, there are different rules in the south of the state. You can only get these pills up north. And Tony asks him, like, um like oh if you're using these and they're helping you bulk up or whatever like that's not what i want 
Lou nodded. They do different things depending on how you work out, he explained. You may bulk up a bit, but if you're not bench pressing, you won't see much change. They'll make you faster, I'll tell you that much. And they'll take care of healing your knee fast. If these pills are so great, Tony thought, why hasn't Dr. Griffin or Suzanne mentioned them? Suzanne is his physical therapist. I don't know, Lou, he said uncertainly. And then um, Lou tells him that it would be a shame if he threw everything away based because of his in injury. And he starts thinking about Bert Davidson and all the pressure on him and finally says, uh, well, if they're really that great, Lou stood up and thumped him on the shoulder. Smart guy, he said. I'll tell you what, just because I happen to care about what happens to you, I'll get you some right away for a reduced rate. Ten bucks. What do you say? Thanks, Lou, Tony said gratefully. He followed Lou over to his locker and watched as Lou counted a handful of pills and put them into a small plastic bag. Yikes. The pills were light green and a little bigger than daily vitamin pills. Uh, what are these called? Tony asked. Before he'd hurt his knee, he almost never even taken aspirin. Now he felt like a walking medicine cabinet. Lou shrugged. I always forget those long medical names. He winked. Just call them magic vitamins like the rest of us do. And take them after you eat lunch or dinner, he added. Otherwise, they can bug your stomach. And Tony thinks like, oh man, $10 wasn't cheap. That was for sure. But for the first time since the accident, Tony felt optimistic. $10 is a small price to pay for your dignity, Tony. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The fact that Lou says to him, well, they do things differently in the northern part of the state. As if like medical rules or no. like, yeah, something would vary from different parts of the state. Like, again, there are no Mensa members here, but like, you don't know that the same rules would yeah. apply to the entire state. I'm glad you flagged that. Like, he couldn't have said like, oh, I get them in Arizona. Like, <laughs> it, it would have been a much better lie. It's no further away than Northern California from right. Southern California. <laughs> um, And I think that it's really i don't know i felt it was sort of elegant the way that the book like sets up a kind of as as much as this is ridiculous to us sort of like seeing what happens i feel like they've set up a sort of believable scenario for a kind of like really hopeful and sort of naive kid to get involved in something that he if he knew all the details, he never would because he would be like, oh, drugs are bad. You know, this will get me in trouble. Right. But he's so clueless about the possibility that this could be something steroids, Tony, <laughs> steroids. Like he's so he, he doesn't even he actually thinks to himself not long after he takes the pills like, oh, well, I should have asked what was in them. Just complete, like, like, yeah, Tony, you should have. Yes. It's like, if you took a multivitamin, even if it is vitamins, like, okay, well, what kind of vitamins, you know, because if it's got a hundred percent of my daily, you know, vitamin B6, then maybe I want to pay attention to where I'm else I'm getting B6 from. I mean, I just pulled that vitamin out of the air, but like, Yes, it is important to know. You're just blindly taking pills that somebody gave you in a plastic baggie. But he does. He does. And he really proceeds in a very um, 
like I think I think viable, but definitely deny denial way yes. throughout the course of the book. For sure. To not ask Lou. And then the closer he gets to suspecting that, oh, yeah, I think this might be steroids for various reasons. The more he's like, if I don't know that they're steroids for sure, then I'm not taking steroids. Right. It's like not going to the doctor if you think you might have cancer. Well, you can't have cancer if no one tells you. Yeah. It's not like that at all. I just wanted to use that analogy. (laughs) (laughs) I think the analogy is uh, follows, though. It's like that's how faulty his reasoning is. It's silly. Yeah. Like, so the kinds of things that Tony's noticing are... Um, you know, he overhears a, another friend of Randy's asking Lou about the magic vitamins, like, wink, wink, wink. And Lou is like, not out in the open, buddy. Like, OK, so he's being so secretive about it. And then at a certain point, he just straight up hears two guys in the locker room. He's in a locker room with Roger talking about someone um, getting uh, kicked off of their sports team for taking the pills in front of their coach coach. yeah yeah and then i think they do refer to steroids in that scene and tony that's like okay tony you know what they're talking about and tony's like man i really wish i hadn't heard that but proceeds for the rest of the book to maintain that he just didn't know even though he's presented with all the evidence yeah let's talk about tony he's taking the pills he starts taking them and he feels he's he's all of a sudden he's doing much better like he's like very quickly his knee's not hurting he feels like he's breathing better he's like going faster and you know but he's only gotten this one week supply of the pills right and he thinks to himself um a little voice in the back of his head reminded tony that he didn't really know what was in the pills I shouldn't just go and buy more of them, he thought uneasily as he slipped his polo shirt over his head. Not without asking Lou more about them. Not without finding out what these magic vitamins really are. Um, But then, very quickly, he does go try to buy more. And now, Lou is like, it'll be a hundred dollars. The prices are only going up. (laughs) mm -hmm. And it's like, this is another clue, bud. You know, he's like, yeah, I said they were hard to get. You know, and and also he can't get them until Monday. And it's like, oh, I'm almost out of them now. You know, I don't know how many of these he's taken. But so the whole drug dealer situation, they also describes Lou as having like mirrored sunglasses. Now he's like, so Lou is also turning into more of a drug dealer as the book goes on. He's getting glamorous. Yeah, yeah. And he says at one point, like Tony's like, hey, man, I really need these. And Lou says like, hey don't come in here following me around. It looks bad. Or like, you're making me look bad. Like he's got an itch. <laughs> <laughs> so now um, we're about halfway through the book. We've set up Tony's situation. We've said a little bit about Annie, but she's not a particularly active. She's more like an observer of Tony's behavior changes. Yeah. Which at some of them, it's like, he, oh, sure. He's really sad about not being able to run. That's really torturing him. Annie hates to see him in pain or whatever. But then she's also noticing him seeming like he's getting more aggressive and he's um, seems like just less interested in the relationship. Which is also, the book tells us, like, literally advice that his dad is giving him. Like, don't spend so much time with Annie. Like, she's distracting you. Right. Focus on your running, son. So he's doing that. But yeah, yeah. he's, like, snippy with people. He's he's giving, yeah. like, Roger um, unwanted running advice. Right, yeah. right. And, um, I mean, that comes to a head 
in this bowling scene. But to get to the bowling scene, which is about Mitch, I feel like it makes sense for us to to get into Liz and Todd. Yes. <laughs> so, tell I would love to hear your impression of what's happening with Liz and Todd, and then I will I will happily share mine. So Todd tells Elizabeth that he feels like they are spending too much time with everyone else in their friend group and that he would right, like, like some... page one he yes says, he tells this to her yes like liz we're always surrounded by other people i would really like some one-on-one time with you just some like liz and todd time and she agrees but every time they go to plan liz and todd time at the last minute elizabeth without checking with todd agrees to once again do something with the crowd like a yeah. track meet after party inviting someone on their like private or letting someone crash their private lunch date like no matter they're anything. just so popular you know <laughs> they keep getting invited to things although she also like invites roger along to the beach and and todd is like hey what you know <laughs> like, we were just talking walk on the beach yes yeah. which is it's funny because you know on this podcast we often talk about how like um unsexy elizabeth and todd's relationship kind of seems to be and so I was like, okay, they're finally going to talk about it, you know? Yeah. There are these the moments between them at first do feel like a little sexy, but then it's like, oh, okay, no. So th- this is actually, um, like Todd says to Elizabeth, um, I don't care where we go or what we do. Todd said dramatically, taking her hands in his, I just want some time with you. So it's like, all right. <laughs> Elizabeth says, let's see, we could go for a bicycle ride. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds sexy. Yeah. Great. Maybe we could ride to the beach, Todd replied. I haven't seen you in that gorgeous blue bathing suit in a long time. So it's like Todd is like try is like horned up and Elizabeth is like, okay, what? Alright, well, let's Roger, you wanna come too? <laughs> have an outing. Yay! Is it weird for me to say, I know that it is, but I'm gonna say it anyway, that I'm like sort of happy to see Todd a little horned up. Like, okay. Yes, he's not just a smooth Ken doll. He does have feelings <laughs> for Elizabeth. Beyond like, wow, you're a great sports journalist, Liz. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The Ken doll, smooth Ken doll. Yes. You've really hit the nail on the head. That's what he is. Todd, Todd even kind of looks like a Ken doll when you look at him on the covers yes. that he's on. Yeah. Perfect yeah. hair, perfect smile, perfect everything. Yeah. But he goes from being like, a little bit peeved with Elizabeth for continuing to make these group plans to like kind of like turn around his fair play, like giving her a taste of his own medicine of her own medicine. Yeah. And he's sticking it to also, her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like Elizabeth brings this up to Jessica and Jessica points out like, that's probably what he's doing. And <laughs> Elizabeth is like, Todd would never, but of course that is what Todd is doing. I think it's exactly what he's doing. At one point he says like, there's like a part where she, like Elizabeth approaches Todd and says like, hey, do you want to do X, Y, Z? And the next line is, sure, Todd said neutrally. <laughs> <laughs> that really stuck with me. Like, they're letting us know he does not, he is playing cool guy in this scenario. Yeah. Which like neutrally, or like base word neuter. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Smooth Kendall. He's smooth. He's really embodying that. Um, but yeah, the this goes to a place that surprised me for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and that brings us to my oh my god uh, moment oh my uh for this book, which did happen. Um 
I want to add real quickly that I also had an oh my gosh moment in this book, which was basically when um, Tony decided that he was going to go ahead and do and the not exactly vitamins like he like yeah okay I'll do it like ah bud oh <laughs> but oh my god moment getting back to Liz and Todd so Liz is talking to Jessica. Listen, why don't you plan a really romantic evening with them? It sounds to me as if all you two need is one really fantastic night together to get the chemistry back. Why don't you kidnap him and take him up to Miller's Point, she suggested with a giggle. Kidnap him, Elizabeth mused. You know, you're pretty smart for a beauty pageant winner. You may have hit on something, she cried. Um, and she goes on, uh, Jessica was right. She and Todd needed more than time alone together. They needed some thrilling romance kidnapping Todd might just be the answer. She'd been too insensitive to hear him when he'd been pleading with her for some time alone. Now she was going to have to take extreme measures to show him she'd gotten his message loud and clear. So that already is causing me to say, oh my God, do you have any guesses as to why? I mean, the idea of kidnapping each other instead of just having a conversation. Yeah, kidnapping, it's a pretty serious situation. It's a strong word. And um, Elizabeth Wakefield should know how serious it is to be kidnapped because she's fucking been kidnapped. Oh my she God. She has literally been kidnapped and locked in a room where she was carving numbers on the wall of her cell, counting the days, hoping that she would be discovered. And you know what? Todd was instrumental in rescuing her from that basement or like locked room that she was in. So Todd also knows that kidnapping is not so great uh, of a thing to invoke, but apparently all of that trauma is forgotten. Let us, let us, we remember, but the, the kids have forgotten and the ghostwriters have forgotten. The ghostwriters have uh, absolutely Absolutely forgotten. <laughs> They're just having fun, playful kidnapping now. And and gladiators, lest I sound like a shrew or something, if Elizabeth had never been kidnapped and Jessica had never been kidnapped or Elizabeth put in a trunk because somebody thought that they were getting Jessica. Like these are, it's not just, there is the like kid, the book that is literally called kidnapped exclamation point. But there's also like other times that someone has been snatched and like put in a trunk and driven away with, or recently when Jessica was dating that like um, drug kingpin guy who was thought that she was Elizabeth and, and was, trying to or she let him believe he was elizabeth she was elizabeth and then like he was took her to sweet valley high because he wanted this negative anyway these things have happened that that is kind a kind of kidnapping that has happened recently to jessica but anyway it's just like it would still be weird to invoke the word kidnapping right. and like think oh i'm gonna put a blindfold on my boyfriend and take him somewhere a little weird but like okay she, you know having a little fun whatever and also it's 1990 whatever Right. Have a little fun. It's cheesy 1991 fun. And they're teenagers, you know, like. Yes. But then it then it's not just Elizabeth that has this kidnapping. Um, Todd has a plot of his own, right? Yes. They agree separately or they make plans separately to kidnap each other and take have their friends deposit them deposit the other in front of a romantic castle slash restaurant yeah an hour outside so, of sweet valley 
so the kidnap separately, totally individually, they've come up with these this kidnapping plot that they're going to. I mean, we could take the word kidnapping out of it, and it's just like they're going to have a surprise for their partner. Right. But then, by uh, by machinations, by plot machinations beyond that essential coincidence, um, Winston like sees this travel book that Elizabeth has been looking at to plan her kidnapping, and he thinks, oh. That's a good idea. Like maybe, maybe that's the suggestion I can give Todd as to where he should take Elizabeth. It looks romantic, you know. So, not yeah. putting the pieces together that Elizabeth is looking at it because that's it. Yeah. So uh, Annie and Enid get Todd to take. They like kidnap him. We don't see the play by play of that and take him to this place called Castillo, Castillo San Angelo, and the. We do get a look at uh, Elizabeth getting kidnapped by Winston. Yes. Which he starts off by telling her that Todd has been in a motorcycle accident. Also something that literally happened. Has already happened. Yeah. And the book does know that that happened because it alludes to it. And, And something that I honestly thought was so crazy and amazing is that the... Book not only alludes to the fact that Elizabeth was like, oh, Todd promised his parents that he would never uh, ride a bike again after our, our motorcycle, our motorcycle accident earlier this year. She <laughs> says, <laughs> we always like to point out like how much time is passing. So here's the book acknowledging that it was, in fact, earlier this year. So Winston backpedals a little. Um, he sounded like he was just badly shaken up. And the bike is ruined. Elizabeth frowned. That's not like Todd. He promised his parents he wouldn't ride a motorcycle after that bad accident we had earlier this year. So Winston, anyway, is like, I guess he just, you know, sort of slipped a little. Hey, Liz, Um, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) In the car. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. And she starts to protest once she starts getting kidnapped. Like, hey, Todd is the one who's supposed to be kidnapped and Winston doesn't know what she's talking about. But anyway, I think the book wants us to feel like, oh, this is proof positive that these two really were made for each other. Yes. Because they came up with the same scheme for one another. What a pair. The same weird, cheesy scheme that, uh, yeah, I don't really understand. Well, speaking of schemes, um, (laughs) let's get back to those pills. Oh, that's how Annie discovers that Tony is doing steroids. Yeah. She's looking for the guidebook to give to Elizabeth. She lent it to Tony. Yes. And Tony has it in his locker. And she goes to get it. And whoops, what are these? Pills? Hmm. Tony's so messy, she said with a fond smile as she looked at the jumbled contents of his locker. She moved his jacket aside. Here's my math book, she said. Now, the guidebook must be somewhere down here. I wouldn't want anyone looking through my locker. It's a lot messier than this, Enid said with a laugh. Just then, Annie pulled out a bottle of pills. A frown crossed her face. I wonder what these are, she said, looking at them thoughtfully. Um, and Elizabeth is like, oh, the doctor probably prescribed them. But Annie's like, I know he finished those pills. So she takes the pills and luckily... Annie has a cousin who is a biochemistry student. 
the old Sweet uh, Valley College University. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she meets up with her cousin, Beth, uh, after having given Beth one of these pills. And Beth reports back the bad news that these are steroids. And then the book also gives us a very lengthy info dump about um, how, like what steroids are, how they're abused, what men that take them is primarily boys that take them think that they're going to do and like what the negative side effects could be. Like this yes. is really like the informative portion yes. <laughs> of the novel. Yes. But they use the words allegedly or like supposedly like quite a few times mm-hmm. like steroids and... do this and that like just in case i don't know if that was to like to avoid something well and the the book feels like it's kind of trying to have it both ways yeah. where on the one hand the book is having tony show signs of steroid abuse like he's got increased aggression he's got this sort of like he's getting a little bit bulkier mm-hmm. he i think his I think maybe his lack of interest in Annie even is potentially they're they're chalking that up to the to the steroids and then also describes you know Tony doesn't even know what the pills are supposed to be doing but uh, describes a sense that he is breathing more easily. Yes. Which is the thing that Beth then says that they think that steroid helps with like oxygen absorption with the blood but it's it's unclear but then at the same time the book is trying to say well a lot of the benefits of these steroids are are, are a placebo effect and it would it's just about like thinking that they're going to make a difference is what makes it seem like they're making a difference and also tony hasn't been taking them long enough for them to really make that much difference for him so it's like kind of trying to do both things right right a lot of heavy lifting (laughs) yeah but they come up with a scheme. Um, well, no, before they come up with a scheme, Annie decides to confront Tony. Yes. And he just deny, deny, denies. Yeah. And at the time, it felt to me like he was denying, just like he just didn't want to get caught. But then you do see that he was just really telling himself that they weren't steroids. Yes. He does. Like, I'm not taking steroids. Not taking magic vitamins which is normal for a guy my age (laughs) (laughs) it's magic don't you see um so another thing that is upsetting annie is that so mitch has continued this this 13 year old mitch has continued to like idolize tony and they go on this like group outing where they're bowling and mitch like Tony accuses Mitch of cheating and yells at him and Mitch is really hurt and everybody's like oh wow Tony he really was so obsessed with his team winning bowling that it just occurs to me now that these books have recently gotten really interested in the idea of bowling but which Jessica hates yes right (laughs) um so yeah that seemed like it was a it was like a breaking point, you know, like yeah. how could he be so rude? Mitch must wanted be the to drugs. be on his team. Tony's his yeah. idol. And what he got was yelled at for being good. But he thought Tony only respected people that were good at sports. Yeah. 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 God, Tony. So <laughs> um, 
based on this idea of the placebo effect, Rod, so Annie, it feels like she can't keep it inside anymore. She tells Roger and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah. About the steroids, <laughs> which I was like, Roger is like Tony's teammate. Like, if you're trying not to snitch on him, because she thinks about telling his dad, but then she's like, no, I can't do that. Right. You know, but she just needs to like, she's trying to come up with some way to help Tony because she can see how he's doing harm to himself. Right. It's not, it's not a healthy thing to be doing. Right. right? We can agree on that. Um, so Roger knows of a thing that can be done. The old switcheroo. <laughs> boy this series loves the switcheroo don't they any kind of switcheroo doesn't have to be human switcheroo it can be pill switcheroo (laughs) roger's like it's really easy i've heard that it's really easy sugar pills and so annie like he contrives to talk to tony about how mitch is gonna be leaving soon and tony should apologize to him meanwhile the girls are stealing the or are getting the pills out of the locker and replacing them with these special identical pills that are actually just sugar pills that they've had Beth cook up for them in the lab at the Super Bowl University. This like sophomore biochem student. Yeah. This is very Scooby-Doo once again, I think yeah. Yeah. of, of the books. And I guess Tony takes those sugar pills for like a week. Yes. It's like a week long thing. But critically, and to Tony's credit, during that week, he um, has a realization. Like, so being confronted about the idea that he should apologize to Mitch causes him to go, like, say goodbye to Mitch and have a heart to heart with him. And um, he, there's a really sweet thing of, like, basically he's. He's been telling Mitch, Mitch at some point in the book, uh, he almost gets sent back to his mother because um, Bruce's mom finds an empty beer bottle in this kid's room. It's like, you're not cleaning up your act at all. Yeah. And Tony has given Mitch this serious advice about how he needs to clean up his act and follow the rules. And some rules are there for a good reason. And not drinking as a 13 year old is one of those rules. Like all this like clean life live your best life follow the rule shit hypocritical yeah by the time he says goodbye to mitch and just like understands how much mitch looks up to him finally and that like, oh well this really does make a difference and he can tell that mitch has taken his advice seriously yes. about not drinking he is like oh shit i can't i'm a hypocrite like you're saying I've been telling him to do this and I've been taking steroids and he starts telling people he tells Annie he tells his dad and he's like I've got to tell coach Featherston and I'm gonna have to disqualify myself from the upcoming meet because I qualified while I was on these steroids so good luckily he tells Annie yes about it because Annie is able to be like, hey, so as long as we're confessing things, um, I also have something to say. Let me see if I can find it. Once I knew that the pills were steroids and she described some of the negative effects they might have, I just knew I had to talk with you before going any further on my own. But you didn't want to listen. You denied everything, even the possibility that you were taking steroids without knowing it. When you stormed out of my apartment, I was frightened. I thought it was all over between us. 
And then the next day, we both acted as if nothing had happened. That's when I got really frightened, and I knew I had to do something. So she tells him, and she says, I guess you're pretty mad at me, but I want you to think about what I've said before you talk to the coach. Maybe it can still work out for you. Because essentially, what she's saying is, like, as good as you've done all week, that was not steroids. That was on these fake sugar pills. Like, you're fine. You actually are healed now. That was you all along. Like Dumbo's ears. Yeah, or like the, the magic shoes the dancing shoes oh my god <laughs> he goes to talk to coach featherton featherston who says tony you've made a serious mistake we're six days away from the meet that could decide your future this is hard to hear right now and then he goes on and and says to the coach you know how you used to tell us that the real winners are the ones who will do anything to win I think I took that advice too far. I wanted to qualify for the Olympics more than anything in the world. I thought that was really interesting because it, it just, it, to me, now we would talk about like toxic masculinity. Like, yeah, the coach did. The coach yells at them and tells them how they're not serious about their sports during this book. Yep. The His dad is clearly like more concerned about Tony's winning record than he is about the health of his physical body, you know? So no wonder Tony would get the idea that it was okay to twist the rules a little bit, but he does. He takes responsibility for it. And coach Featherston has to, has to convene. He's got to make a bunch of phone calls. Um, He has no choice, but to call uh, all I can do is call an emergency meeting and go from there. He's got, he's got to call the five families and see. And yeah, right. And Tony says he's made a chart. Did you <laughs> notice that? A chart of when he started taking the drugs and when his girlfriend replaced the drugs with, with sugar pills. And like, here's the timeline for yes. you. So that, I guess, helps him get cleared because he is allowed to race and he's on probation now they figure out that it hasn't been that long but also he did we talk about how tony overhears someone at the gym yelling at lou because their coach found out he hears him say like but i lost everything and lou's like hey man it's a free country i didn't nobody put the pills in your mouth but you i don't know what you want Mm -hmm. yep some real drug dealer shit (laughs) So and that that's the that is the point at which Tony should have been like, oh, yeah, these are steroids and I'm not uh, I shouldn't take them. Yeah. But um, but he races in the race and guess what? He wins the race. He does so good. He, he not only does he win his race, but he when he heard his time, he realized he'd beaten the state record. It was in him all along. It was. It wasn't the steroids. His arms lifted in the air in a victory salute, and the Sweet Valley High crowd went crazy. Tony searched for Annie's face and raised his fist. She raised hers back. He knew this was a moment he'd never forget. This wasn't just a race he'd won. It was much, much more. Hearing the cheers of the people around him, Tony felt as if his heart would burst with joy. He knew now that magic didn't come from pills. Magic was something you made yourself. Oh, Tony, put a neat little bow on it. Yeah. So did we miss anything? We missed, I mean, not technically, but my favorite part is that like he sees Mitch in the stands. I was 
genuinely cackling out loud when I read this. Tony looks up and sees Mitch in the stands and Mitch like uses his new bicycle money to go to like- He's been saving up to get a new bicycle. Yeah. Instead, he goes to see Tony like run in this race. Like he comes back from LA to see Tony run in this race. And when Tony looks up in the stands, Mitch is holding a handmade sign that just says, Tony, it's small letters. <laughs> yeah. It's so cute. doesn't say go, Tony. It doesn't say win the race, Tony. Tony's the fastest. It just says, Tony. Tony. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, also, Mitch comes up to the stands in, and sits right in between Elizabeth and Todd. But now that they're they're in their new romantic phase, they're able to laugh about it. They don't mind. Um, they have their special yeah. castle. Yeah, they can always go back to their castle for a more romantic time. Which, sadly, we don't get much of a look at what that's like. Yeah. But maybe it's for the best. Um, well, that's that's it. I mean, that's what happens in this book. Uh, boy, Tony and Annie um, have been through a lot together in this one book. We'll see if those two kids hang on. And if Tony ever comes up again in one of these books or not there were um, no repercussions for lou orton who was slinging pills and no and it, it was tony was kind of forced to name lou orton yes and the kids talk about how man just think about how many people a guy like that could hurt with yeah. his actions yeah but yeah we don't see him get carted off to prison or anything and i would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for tony and those damn pills yeah, and Annie and the Beth and the the gang that's do making placebos. If people get if people start hearing about the placebos, then Lou is really in trouble because it's like if people find out that they can do just as good taking nothing as they can with his his um like scheduled drugs. Um, <laughs> that's what I mean when it's just like, which is it, guys? Which is it? Is Lou as a drug dealer doing serious damage? Or is it actually, like, no different than if you were taking nothing? Right. Okay. I think we just well, wanted to give Tony an out, you know, like a way that he could continue to to race. <sighs> um. Well, before we tease the gladiators for the next book, since this is your first episode, yes. I wanted to ask you, um, luckily you have some background for this because this book would be no help. Um, if you are more of a Jessica or an Elizabeth. Oh, so I am strongly an Elizabeth. <laughs> um, I have always sort of admired Jessica's um, sort of just loose attitude towards life. But yeah, no, I am a planner and a sure. reader and a monogamist and all of those things. <laughs> and... When I was younger, someone like Jessica would have bothered the crap out of me. Just like, I get away with it because I'm pretty and, you know, I can get by on the skin of my teeth, blah, blah. Um, She bothers me less now, but I still don't Mm -hmm. think she's a role model. I still don't think she's Miss Teen Sweet Valley. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she couldn't have done it without Elizabeth's help. It's true. I just, yeah. But also they tried Elizabeth is always just painted to be such a square and it's like she has she has her moments too you know let her live yeah there was a moment early on in this book when we're first being introduced to elizabeth and todd's situation that i 
had one of those like oh this is deeply relatable i'm such an elizabeth moments in a bad way where it's just like oh yeah elizabeth this problem you have i have that problem too uh so roger is asking them to spend some time with mitch well listen if you two have any extra time sure roger elizabeth replied she didn't even stop to think about the promise she and todd had made to spend more time together and make fewer commitments to other people but elizabeth couldn't say no to a request such as roger's it sounded as if mitch ferguson could use all the friends he could get she was so intent on roger's story that she barely noticed todd's tense expression (laughs) but yeah just the like the promise they had made to make fewer commitments to other people <laughs> like oof, oops and then immediately out the window <laughs> but roger sure i want to do that in theory but here's someone that's asking me for something and like come on it's no big deal it's okay. yeah very relatable well let's tease the gladiators for the next book and then we can come back for extra drama and talk a little bit more about your uh, history with sweet valley high yes so do you want me to read the end or um, just sure. talk about it? Okay. I think you can, You either want, whether you want to read it or just summarize it, either way. Okay. So they're all, cel- the, the gang is back in the school cafeteria after Tony wins the, the 220 or whatever the, the meet is called, all county. Um, and is it Scott? Yeah, Scott Trost. Yes. So Scott Trost, he got kicked off of the football team recently for having bad grades. That's what it was. That happened in the book where Claire Middleton was trying out for quarterback, I think. She wanted to be a glad... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, So Winston is begging for food, as always. And he's like, hey, in exchange for an ice cream sandwich, I'll tell you about a football player whose career might be sidelined for good. And they're like, Winston, go away. Everybody already knows about Scott Trost. And Elizabeth's like, ugh, Scott Trost. Sexist, gross, don't want any parts of him. And everyone's like, oh, well, not everyone, but Todd. And it's like, ease up, Elizabeth. I think it's mostly an act. He seems to be a good guy. And then they hear a loud wolf whistle and everyone turns to see Scott Trost trying to mac on a little sophomore. And they're like, no way, that guy is gross. <laughs> Scott's act is pretty convincing, Elizabeth said, nodding in Scott's direction. Definitely Academy Award material, Enid agreed. Is Scott Trost as sexist as he seems? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 78, The Dating Game. Yeah, so we're about to find out if Scott Trost is as sexist as he seems, and I'm excited about it. I am really curious if Scott has, like, I have not read that one, and I'm Curious to see if Scott just has a bad home life and this is just him like acting it out or like, what are the other factors at play? Yeah. Like, is he a sexist? I mean, it, I mean it seems like the answer must be no, but right. like, what, what excuses are we making for Scott Trust a la Todd, who is very like, oh, my friend could never, yeah. uh, something that has gotten certain celebrities in trouble in recent, uh, recent weeks. Oh my God. Um, but, <laughs> um, Todd is we're not accusing Scott of anything he's just an asshole (laughs) so we're accusing him of right right now Um, but yeah gladiators thank you so much for being here remember that you can always follow Sweet Valley Diaries on Instagram at Sweet Valley Diaries is the best place send me an email sweetvalleydiaries at me.com Tabitha do you have anything that you want people to look out for from you um 
gosh, no, not at the moment. No can be the answer. That's totally fine. No is the answer. (laughs) Tabitha, thank you so much for being here with me. We'll talk a little bit more. And I already have this week's lesson. It's uh, it's right. It's the only sentence of the book um, that I have highlighted. Magic doesn't come from pills. Magic is something that you make yourself. So take that with you into the week and and bye. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.